Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. This is the Attack on Titan special event. In honor of the epic conclusion to the show that defines this generation of anime, we're reviewing every single episode of the final season. This week, we're reviewing episode three, The Door of Hope. As always, there'll be spoilers for anything that has happened previously on Attack on Titan, so you've been warned. Episode three was crazy again like not a lot happened it was a lot of flashbacks but it answered probably more questions than the previous episode episode two although i think it was just more focused on reiner as like a reiner filler episode yeah which i think we called we called that when we saw the the preview um for episode three last week that it looked like it was a Reiner backstory episode. And I would say it's it's a good chunk, his backstory, but also just the backstory of the that group, Annie, Bertolt, Reiner, Marcel, and kind of how they got from Marley to Paradise and then back again. And then you kind of get more of their inner thoughts and motivations um, throughout the episode too, which is, again, nice that they're giving us that context. Um, I just... I'm not too big of a fan of the show attempting to make us empathize with them. Um, but again, I think this is just them giving context, again, mostly to Reiner's motivations than really having us rooting for him, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was such an information dump that the episode flew by. I actually, at the end of it, kind of looked around and I was like, that's it. That was the episode. It's done already. Um, it was... I don't know. I, I loved it. I thought this episode was, was great. It was weird. It was unexpected, but it was great. But I think of most import in this episode is obviously the very big reveal at the end of the episode. And we probably will talk about it once we get into the synopsis and discussion. Um, but that was quite a major reveal. Yeah. And you know what? I'm just going to I'm going to bring it up quickly right now because shout out to our friend Kevin who caught that very early on. I think, you know, like he he was the first person to kind of open our eyes to the fact that that or at the time it was a theory that that character or that minor character was Aaron. When you rewatch episode two and all of this flew over my head um, and I, I saw the episode twice <laughs> before he brought this to our attention, but you see um, somebody kind of watching Reiner and the kids as they're walking. They're like leaving the docks to go to whatever store. And I thought it was Piek at first because it was like somebody with long, you know, dark hair. But then I realized that the person's hair isn't quite long enough and kind of scraggly enough to be Piek. Um, and then later you see Falco helping some of the, the Mar, or not the Marley, but the Eldian um, soldiers who have PTSD and they're all standing in a line and, and the second person is obviously Aaron now that we know but when the one person does like the boom noise to try and trigger all of those Eldian soldiers with the P with PTSD you see everybody fall but if you rewatch it Aaron falls he just like sits down everyone else kind of like freaks out and then collapses and he just kind of sits down alongside the group and then finally, of course, there's the moment where Falco goes up to him and helps him move his armband to the correct arm. I don't know if that's intentional on Aaron's part or not, but my initial thought, which is what our friend Kevin kind of said, like he's obviously not from 
Parodies. He's not, or sorry, he's not from Marley. He's from Parodies. So he's probably not as familiar with the whole, you know, rule of wearing the armband on the correct arm, which is, what is it, the left arm they have to wear it on? See, so, my problem with that is he's surrounded by all these Eldians in this ghetto, and he can clearly see, I know he has one bandaged eye, but he can still see around him where the armband is being worn. But I think they did that in service of the plot again with the reveal in this episode that it ends up being Aaron well that's kind of what I'm saying is like now I think about it a little bit more I'm like I'm not sure if I'm convinced that he was doing that on purpose or if that was an accident because you're absolutely right like he he, he's probably spent a significant amount of time on um Marley or at least Liberio at this point and I think knowing that he's going undercover he would be very very focused on every little you know attention to detail and whatnot um, so perhaps he was putting it on the wrong arm to play into that that emotional trauma thing that he mentions later in, in this episode. But on the, at the same time, I could also see it going to the the side of like he just doesn't know. He just, he doesn't pay attention to that because he's not from here, so he accidentally wears it on the wrong arm. But I don't know. Either way, I had no clue. I didn't even pay attention to those parts until Kevin mentioned it, and I was like, oh my god, no way, that's Aaron. And then we get confirmation, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah, so thanks, Kevin. <laughs> but yeah, um, to kind of bring this into a wider scope, it's just very coincidental timing that we get this reveal. Because um, me as a Star Wars fan, our fandom also got a very big reveal at the end of the season two finale of The Mandalorian last week, which I won't spoil. But yeah, it was a very revealing weekend, I suppose. It's a... Uh... A crazy time leading up to the end of this year. They're just dropping major, major uh, pop culture bombs on us everywhere. It's great. So let's jump into the synopsis because there's a lot to talk about here. Maybe less so on like the particulars of this episode like we have done with the last two, but more so the bigger picture that they're painting here and some of like these questions that are being answered. Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right in with Attack on Titan Season 4 Episode 3. The Door of Hope. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous Reiner of all? The Armored Titan wielder reflects on his past and of his desire to become a warrior titan in order to bring pride to his Eldian mother and Marleyan father. However, he is the clear underdog of his candidate group and is constantly berated by the more formidable Galliard. However, however, he shows his promise as the Marley Brass choose him for the Armored Titan in their planned infiltration of Paradis to recover the Founding Titan, alongside the female, Jaw, Beast, Cart, and Colossal Titans we've come to know and love, or loathe. Galliard, of course, is furious for not being chosen over Reiner, but deep into their infiltration, his brother Marcel reveals that he only vouched for Reiner as a way to protect Galliard from the burden of becoming a warrior titan. Too bad no one protected him from subsequently getting eaten by Emir in her pure Titan form. Citing low morale, Annie and Berthold are on the verge of giving up the mission, but Reiner convinces them otherwise, and in a few short days, humanity received a grim reminder. From the trio's point of view in Attack on Titan Season 1. Back in the present, Reiner attempts to be an hero, but decides not to after hearing Falco punch outside his window and realizing that the warrior candidates give him reason to live. Falco Punch then pays a visit to the military hospital and runs across a soldier he helped the day before. Falco Punch laments about losing against Gabby and inheriting the armored titan, 
while the soldier philosophizes about what drives people into willingly stepping into hell. And, wait a minute, is that Aaron Jägermeister? Fucking Aaron. He was there the whole time. Which now makes me think that that guy that they showed us at the end of episode one, I really do think it's it's John. Like I just his hair color is the same. He's very suspicious in the way he's like walking. I don't know. I just like they, they focus on him and they're like, oh, who's this guy? And I'm like, it's probably John. That was my guess, and I, I'm sticking to that. And I think we will need to do a lot of rewatching of these first couple episodes because there might be some other blink and you'll miss cameos by by the parodies crew. I know again. Thank you to Kevin for kind of pointing this out, but I know in episode two, there is a scene of the soldier on the rooftop who seemingly commits suicide, but maybe not all is as it seems in that situation. Who knows? But we'll see what these episodes continue to reveal and give us an opportunity to rewatch anything that we might have missed earlier on. That's something that I've learned just in general with Attack on Titan is like the attention to detail in this show. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in in just a bit, but the attention to detail in this show is on a whole nother level. And I think that's a big part of why this show is so successful because they're not just kind of writing things on the fly. It seems it, it seems like everything is very deliberate, well thought out. The story is, is built out with, with intention behind it, with, you know, an, an end goal in mind. Um, and just everything connects so perfectly. I, I just like the, the the rewatchability of this show is very, very high. And I truthfully rarely, rarely rewatch shows. I'll probably only really rewatch my top, you know, favorite anime on occasion. But this is definitely a show like I'm, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch because they just they throw little things at us all the time and we don't even realize it. Yeah. And even with Aaron's reveal, um, I kind of noted a little bit of parallel with how, again, it seems that the Paradis crew are using the infiltration tactic against Marley this time around, um, which we know they were using, again, with this flashback episode um, with Annie, Reiner, and Berthold. Um, So it's kind of like full circle in that sense now that we see Aaron infiltrating Marley. I like to call that Aaron Gear Solid, (laughs) you know, like sneaking tactics. And he also happens to have a quote unquote missing eye, um, similar to to Snake, I guess. Yeah, these parallels are crazy. You even get that one shot where um, Reiner and Berthold are kind of running along the wall, talking about like their mission to go to Paradise. And then they pan to, which is obviously not the same wall, but kind of the quote unquote flip side where Aaron and Armin are kind of sitting and just staring at, well, Aaron is sitting and staring at the wall, kind of just wondering about his his life and all of that. It, it's just, it was great imagery. Um, and, and the whole episode, again, was was very well done. But I want to call it just like a couple of quick things before we dive into these, these bigger pieces. Um, Annie is like one of those kids who hurts animals when they're growing up. Um, and then when they're an adult, they become like this fucking serial killer and murder everybody. Like she, she smushed, 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 <laughs> smushed that cricket to smithereens, which is, is a grasshopper or cricket. Oh, probably grasshopper. I don't know. It was nasty, whatever it was, but she crushed that thing and wasn't even paying attention to the conversations and the fighting around her. Like this bitch, I mean, literally did grow up to be a serial killer because she killed all the scouts with like no hesitation. She's crazy. And is that grasshopper? 
a character that we might know from uh, a, a different episode. I know, yeah, that, that's the grasshopper that that you see at a later point. And no, I'm just kidding, but yeah, I I think that she's nuts and not like in the same way that like Mikasa is nuts. Like she's nuts in a good way. She's she's powerful and she's strong. Annie's strong, but like I don't know, mentally unstable on some level. I'm sure. And I mean, the other thing too about Annie that they call out is that the female Titan can call pure Titans. Um, I don't think we've ever seen that. I mean, well, no, there was that one moment where she gets trapped in the forest and then she screams and then all the Titans come running out at them. Um, But like, I never thought anything of that. But now that they actually said it, I'm like, oh man, she does have that power. So that makes me wonder, does she have that power because perhaps she has some sort of royal blood? She is blonde after all. Um, or is it just unique to the female Titan? See, it's very odd that they point that out in like the Titan dossiers, I guess you could call them. Because um, knowing us as the audience, we know that you have to be of the Fritz lineage in order to control Titans. But for them to say this female Titan has the ability to control other Titans, to me it seems like it's a power independent of that of that bloodline. I would think so too, because then they talk about Zeke and they're like, he's got some sort of special blood flowing through him, but they don't really seem to know specifically what makes him special, but he also has the power to to command Titans. I'm still kind of struggling with the hidden power being in reference to his ability to control Titans, or if there's something else at play that we haven't seen yet um, that I guess the Marley brass are taking note of. Yeah. And then we get um, that mention of the cart titan being able to, to be on long missions. And correction to what I talked about in our previous Attack on Titan episode, episode two. Um, I misunderstood it that it was only two months since she became human again. Meaning I, I thought that she was in titan form for a long time. Carl clarified that it's been two months since the last time she was human. That's what, what she actually says in the episode indicating that she spent a long mission as the cart titan and didn't transform back for two two full months which is why she's like oh it's weird to go back to you know bipedaling or walking on two legs although i don't think she actually has two legs i thought she did why does she have a crutch i thought she only had one leg i thought it's just again because she's been in the cart titan form for so long that it's it's a struggle for her to oh maybe i shouldn't notice because she's wearing Mm -hmm. the skirt but i guess that makes what explains why she sits in the couch or on the couch in such a weird position she's just used to being in that that way because titan like these warrior titans have like the ability to heal right once they've like used up their their power and want to revert back to human form and that's kind of how like in season one Aaron gets his arm back yeah i guess but in this case since she's been in titan form for a long time it's going to take her a while for her to actually get her bodily or her leg functions back. Yeah, I could see that. She's probably just acclimated to being in Titan form that, yeah, it's going to take a bit. But that makes sense. So correction to what I said in the last episode, um, I was confused by that whole scene. Um, but now we got that cleared up. And then I never knew, and I'm sure they said it, but it just never stuck with me. I never knew that Bertolt's last name was Hoover because when they, they were saying everyone's last name, like Jaeger and, and Galliard and all that. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And they got to Bertolt with the Colossal Titan, and they're like, oh, Hoover's the perfect candidate for this. I'm like, who the fuck is Hoover? And it took me a second. I'm like, oh, that's Bertolt's last name. Yeah, I think they mentioned his last name sparingly throughout the previous seasons, but this is just, just a reminder, I guess. Yeah. 
It's one of those tiny, tiny, tiny details that just goes over my head. The last thing I'll say, since we're talking about the Titan dossiers, I like how it's a nuclear explosion that appears first before we see the Colossal Titan. Again, hearkening back to World War II imagery um, and the reference to the Colossal Titan as a, as a god of destruction. Um, yeah. That thing is huge and hot, like temperature-wise, very hot. The other thing is, I was kind of thinking about this, for their tests, are they just using them in a live battle sequence? Because I know one Marley officer claims that they uh, crushed a nation before our eyes, implying that they're just sending them out to battles to test them if they're, I guess, strong enough for the power. Even though they already technically have the power when they're doing these sequences. I think so, because when Beartol transforms into the Colossal Titan, we see people get blown away, and they're all kind of freaked out. Um, that was my guess, is like, they're, these are actual battles that they're kind of being tested in to see how well they handle their Titan powers. Otherwise, if they're just Marley testing sites, then they're just blowing money on <laughs> on getting these things destroyed and losing soldiers as casualties in this Titan test. Yep. So I think we should dive into the real focus here, and that's Reiner. Um, we get clear clear messaging that he was always kind of the runt he's lived a really fucked up life um his first you know real goal in life was to get his family back together and that failed because he discovered that his father never really cared about him and his mother and i think this is where we find out that he's like a half blood right yeah first time we find that out which is interesting um and I wonder, like, what kind of impact that has, which it seems like not much impact on his, you know, Titan abilities. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's much to that. In that sense, I feel like he's almost getting pushed and pulled from both sides because at the very beginning, you know, while his mother tucks him into bed, she kind of just feeds him, like, this self-loathing propaganda that, you know, we have the blood of devils running through us. And then once he gets the titan power he discovers his father in that like blacksmith workshop or whatever and he's so excited to tell him that he's become an honorary marleyan but then his father won't even accept him because of like the scandal that that would produce yeah so his second goal was to become a chosen warrior and, and inherit one of the nine um and then he finds out like a little while later that he really wasn't even chosen for that he he wasn't the preferred candidate. He was just, uh, or the the Marlins were just manipulated by um, by Marcel in order to protect Galliard or Porco or whatever his name is. Um, Porco and, and, Galliard. Yeah, but he calls him Porco. I mean, technically Marcel's a Galliard, but yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep calling Porco Galliard because that's how they reference him most of the time, and I'll call Marcel Galliard just Marcel. But Again, Marcel is just doing this to protect um, Galliard in in a kind of selfish move there. Um, so then that that's a huge blow to Reiner. And then he gets, you know, his next goal, I guess, or kind of what's been the, the long-term goal of destroying the devils on Paradise because, you know, he wants to, you know, make Marley proud and become an honorary Marleyan or whatever. And that's all turned upside down because he slowly and, and somewhat painfully realizes that they are really nice people that he, as much as he tries not to, probably genuinely cares about because we get that 
moment between or the flashback of him and Aaron where he recognizes Aaron's struggles with what he went through as kind of the runt among the warriors and feels for him and and reaches his hand out and, and lifts him up and and I think that's where we start to get that imagery of of him loading the gun about to commit suicide because I think that's his breaking point um he realizes like the of all the things that have happened to him like this is just so much this is so shitty of him to know that he destroyed their lives even though they really are nice people um and of course in, in the, at that moment too i think he realizes how alone he is everyone he's ever known and loved either is dead or doesn't love him or is crazy looking at his mom because she's kind of crazy and creeps me out um so yeah that that's a lot riding on his shoulders i took this episode as a way to show us reiner's struggle with kind of knowing his place in the grander scheme of this Marley versus Paradise conflict. And to make another Star Wars reference in this episode, it's almost like Rey in the Star Wars sequel trilogy. But one other thing I kind of looked at is with us seeing Reiner's backstory, I think it's showing us that it kind of runs parallel with Falco's journey because I got Falco's kind of the underdog in the candidacy for the armor titan but in a way it also shares a lot of similarities to Aaron's journey now because like you mentioned there's that flashback between Aaron and Reiner during their trainer during their training where Reiner encourages him um but it's just funny that Reiner encourages him to fulfill the mission to exterminate the titans so it's almost like Reiner wants Aaron to do the dirty work for him in a way (laughs) I don't know well, I mean, Aaron wants to kill the already transformed Titans, right? Yeah. So I think she's just, just getting rid of Eldians, which I, it's like the prime objective of Marley, even though I know they're sending the Titans over to to eat these Eldians. Well, I mean, like those are already, well, okay. I guess the way I saw it was like, they're already transformed Eldians. And unless they eat one of the nine, it doesn't seem like they're going to transform back. So get rid of all the Titans in order to protect the Eldians on Paradise is the way I interpreted it. Mm-hmm. But you said, you mentioned something that, that I think is, is important, which is that, that parallel between Reiner and Falco, because like I mentioned a little bit ago, Marcel's manipulation of the, the Marleyan generals or whoever chooses the warriors to inherit the nine. He did that in order to protect his brother at the cost of Reiner's life. And Reiner is now doing the exact same thing with Falco in order to save Gabby at the cost of Falco's life. So Reiner himself, he's basically acting the same way Marcel did Uh, in order to save a family member. He's using somebody who is weaker and probably easier to be manipulated um, in order to to protect that that certain someone i would like to think that in this case though reiner wants to choose falco because as i mentioned in the last episode falco is a very kind person who seems like he may do the right thing with those powers um because gabby is like all gung-ho with killing everyone on parodies despite not knowing anything about them so i'm hoping that even though these are very very similar situations reiner's hoping for a different outcome versus just saving gabby but maybe saving everybody which I'm still kind of thinking through, like, why Reiner wants to save Gabby from this dark fate. Like, I don't know if... It doesn't imply that they're close as family members, right? 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. You, you don't get that sense of connectivity between her and Gabby. Like they're just, it just feels like they're cousins because they told us that they're cousins, not because they, you know, he genuinely cares for her. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't care for her. Obviously, they're family or whatever, but you don't get that that special connection that you have between other characters. Um, but I think it's it's probably because she's a girl and because she's talented and and you know no one wants to see someone like that kind of go through all of all of this hell that they have to go through. Yeah, so I guess it seems right that he would want Falco again because they share similar similar outlooks on life and. Yeah, I think just Gabby's too out outlandish for the armor titan role in the way that Reiner envisions it. And the last thing I'll mention, I guess, on this theme of Reiner and and his guilt, is that I felt every last bit of it in this episode. Like, there's it, it's not often you watch something where you actually feel the sensations of what the character is going through on screen. At least not for me. Um, but with this episode, I don't know what they did in particular, but I was just so uncomfortable. Like, I felt the the struggles that Reiner was going through. Like, man, his life sucks. And I I get why he's on the on the verge of, like, killing himself and, and going through all this PTSD because nothing has worked out for him. And everything that he's known and everything that, that he's been told and everything that he believed and, and motivated him has been completely turned upside down. He says he doesn't know kind of what his purpose is or kind of what what's all going on here what what he needs to do um and yeah i just i felt uncomfortable and the suicide scene well almost suicide scene was so well done because at first i was like what is he doing i don't understand what's going on and then you see him put the gun in his mouth and i'm like oh my god i don't know it was it was very well done i think mappa did a great job with kind of portraying and getting the audience to kind of live through everything that reiner's been through why would you load a full clip if you're trying to kill yourself? I know, right? unless it like was already like. Well, I guess he saw him putting more bullets in. Yeah, just one and done. But again, we obviously Reiner didn't follow through with that, and we'll see how that's going to play on later on. And this kind of brings me back to what you mentioned earlier in this episode, and what we kind of talked about overall is that that feeling of like being forced to empathize with the enemy. I definitely was annoyed by that with episodes one and two. Um, but now that we're on episode three and we've gotten a lot of this information, again, the the way that they made me feel what he was going through, it actually reminded me that I liked Reiner the whole time that he was on the show up until I found out he was a traitor. I liked Bertolt. I didn't care for Annie much because she was like a bitch, but, but we grew to like these characters because they were kind and, and they were caring about all the other scouts. So it is very conflicting to you know reach this point in in the final season and be so angry at them for betraying the scouts and everyone on Paradise, and then be reminded like, hey, actually, you know, they've gone through their own things and you did like them at one point. Can you like them again? And to kind of capitalize on that, I wanted to bring back a point I made earlier where I feel like this episode is highlighting the similarities between these three characters which are reiner falco and aaron because i think each of them wants to like save the world whatever the definition of the world is but they have different means and ideas in how to save it where like both reiner and aaron when they were 
much younger were at first very gung ho about like their beliefs in either attacking parodies or eliminating the Eldians on parodies or eliminating the Titans, but their beliefs have come into question now the more that they understand their respective enemies. And I think it's just a furtherance of how this Marley and Eldian conflict, and I guess war in general, on like a broader scale, it's not always as black and white as you would think it it would be. Yeah, there's definitely that gray area. Because like, as I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting, thinking, reflecting on this episode, I'm like, man, I, I just assume that when they reveal themselves to be traitors, that they were truly evil, right? But this episode brought in so much truth to to all these questions or answers to all these questions that i'm realizing they they weren't traitors because they wanted to be they were traitors because they had no choice they have families that they have to protect and and people that they're trying to save um on marley so they're kind of in this tough situation had they not you know had these things influencing their decisions i'm sure they would have been you know, part of the scouts and like mm-hmm. not kill everybody basically and ruin their lives. Um, and I, I think as the audience members were privileged to know at this point, kind of what Bertolt and Reiner were going through and what their true thoughts were. But then I wonder, will Aaron be able to, to accept that? Will he be able to believe that? Cause he doesn't have the perspective that we have in his mind. He's still feeling what we all felt when we found out that they were traitors, just assuming that they're evil. And I mean, they killed everyone in front of them and that's going to be hard to forgive but if Aaron in the coming episodes discovers kind of the the guilt that Reiner and Bertolt felt and that it really wasn't kind of their own choices that they were making but choices that they were forced to make um can he forgive them can he find a way to I don't know work with them or whatever you know what I mean like just I don't know and in some way have that closure and to your point earlier about Reiner not knowing what to do anymore in this situation, that's where I think Aaron becomes the saving grace. Because the way I interpreted it is that both Aaron and Reiner have a holistic view of this conflict. Although I know you said that Aaron might still view Reiner as a as a as a traitor to the Paradise crew, um, and both of them, despite having this privilege of pre- their present knowledge, they're still trying to piece together how things have come to this and Aaron kind of embodies that in his final quote but one thing I wanted to highlight from that quote is when he says but people who push their own backs see a different kind of hell they can see something beyond the hell it might be hope it may even be another hell only those who keep moving forward will ever know so I think almost similar to Zeke uh, Aaron has this sort of long game in mind where he sees what's going on and has a play in mind for what he wants to do. What that is that he wants to do, I'm not entirely sure of, um, but I'm curious to see what the true endgame is going to be for the characters of Parodies and of Reiner and Zeke and company. I'm wondering if Armin's, uh, you know, gained memories from Bertolt will will come into play here. Like, how much is is Armin able to recall over the last four years, and and is he able to see? the the guilt that Bertold and, and Reiner have and um and that they're actually I guess on the flip side of things they're also good people um so I, I'm so curious to know like what he knows after eating Bertold and also what Aaron has maybe started to remember over the last four years from his dad 
And if you think about it, they're all just pawns in Marley's chess game. Like, they have to realize that they're, in a way, being used against each other, right? Yeah, with all the propaganda. I mean, again, going back to Reiner's creepy mom, like, she's so just wrapped up in all of that that she just, like you said, spoon feeds it to her own son. And it's just, I don't know, is not a free thinking person because this is like all she chooses and, and can believe at this point. So, yeah, what the end of this episode is telling to me is that Aaron is probably going to, I don't know, like reunite, not reunite, but kind of unite the Eldian, Eldian society in a fight against Marley. Um, similar to, like the restorationists were, who were referenced in this episode um, who wanted to destroy Marley using the Fountain Chitin and restore Eldia as a world power. I don't know if it's going to be more of a benevolent um, sort of resolution rather than, you know... A power a, struggle. Yeah, a power struggle. But it will be interesting to see if that is going to be the case um, with Eren at the forefront of, of the battle. I wonder about that too because Eren can sometimes be a little crazy. Like at the end of season three, he's he points across the, the water and says something along the lines of like, is that where all of our enemies are? Is that where we have to go kill everybody? Or something, something very just like, I don't know, mindless and just angry. And so I wonder like if, if he is the the key to all of this which direction which way will he will he take this um and and to that point i think aaron is very deliberately trying to feel out who these eldians are on the mainland because are they are they enemies are they potential allies he talks to falco and he tells falco at the end of this episode that he lied about being in the hospital for emotional trauma because he doesn't want to go home yet and face his family. He then asks Falco if he'll tell anyone. And this is very clearly Aaron feeling out Falco. Like, who is this kid? He's a warrior candidate. He, he could potentially get Reiner's armored titan. What kind of person is he deep down inside? I mean, he is the one who ran over to help um, all the traumatized soldiers. So he has potential. And so when Falco tells him that He's likely not the top choice for the Armored Titan. Aaron tells him, good, I'm glad. I'm glad you're you're not. I want you to live a good life because it's clear that, that he sees him as a good person. So I think Aaron, Aaron is like, I don't know, he, he, he doesn't want to just go in guns blazing. And I'm hoping that he continues down that path and is very thoughtful with all of his actions because I was not hopeful for him at the end of season three with that last episode. Because you thought he went crazy. Yeah, I was like, he's just so pissed. He wants to go kill everybody on the mainland. I'm like, well, hang on a second. <laughs> well, yeah, and hopefully this infiltration mission, again, which seems like a slap in the face to Marley because they were the ones who originally did it, will get, bring more light um, to what he should do um, in this Marley and Eldian conflict. And really quick, shout out to Aaron for chopping his own leg off, most likely just to go under undercover. Like we all know his leg is going to go back. And if he did stab his eye out, that's going to grow back too. But damn, that's that's dedication. It's like Herschel vibes from The Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, last thing about that scene with Aaron and Falco. I don't know if you got this vibe, but when Aaron tells him, oh, I'm lying about being here at the hospital, I thought he was just going to tell Falco outright what his plan was. Um, it gave me vibes of when uh, Reiner just happened to tell Aaron on that wall 
that he and Bertolt were the armored and colossal titans. Which to me is still, I mean, I know there's a lot of crazy things that happen in this this show, but that to me is still the craziest moment of this entire show. I mean, rewatching that that clip, there's just a you know totally normal conversation happening, and then in the background you've got this big reveal and he's so nonchalant about it. And if you, it's almost like if you blink or if you don't listen, you'll miss it. Um, that's even how they, they, I guess, filmed that scene too. Like it's, it's just a very nonchalant conversation. Yeah. Like it's, it's panned out on that wall and you see like Hanj, um, right. Hanj, mm-hmm. um, and someone else she's walking with and they're just, you know, kind of walking away and Mikasa is about to walk away. Obviously she overhears the conversation, but yeah, it was it was crazy, and yeah, I kind of I kind of braced for impact too at that moment when he said, um, you know, I was lying or you didn't tell anybody. I'm like, is he about to drop a big bomb on Falco and like tell him everything and make him panic? Obviously, I think there's too much risk involved for for Aaron to do that, but I don't know. I almost thought he was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. A couple other things that I wanted to mention were more pertaining to the flashbacks that we see in this episode to season one. I'm not sure if a lot of these were reanimated by Mappo or if they're reused clips from Wit Studios production. In particular, I wanted to call out that scene between um, Armin and Aaron where after you see, was it Marcel and Reiner run across the wall, you immediately go to Paradis where Aaron's sitting bored against Oh, that was Bertolt and Reiner. Or was it? Okay. So, yeah, when you see Reiner and Bertolt running across the wall, um, you move over to Paradise and you see Aaron sitting bored um, at the side of a port. And then Armin comes over um, with a book and he's about to tell him something. I thought it was hearkening back to the pilot episode of Attack on Titan. And it almost felt like if you listen to our Great Pretender podcast, they also um, do a callback to the pilot later on in the ep- in that season. Um but I had to rewatch parts of the Attack on Titan pilot to see if this scene had been reanimated, but I didn't find this scene at all. So I think this was originally animated by Mappa. What I liked about it, though, is that the color scheme almost matches exactly what which Studio did with Attack on Titan Season 1. But when you start to see more fl- quote-unquote flashbacks of orig- like original dialogue and story meant for this episode like when you see Annie talking to Reiner and Bear told about her trying to find out more about the king of the walls like you can see that there's no consistency between the flashbacks that they intended I guess intended to be from season one with how they're animating it currently but other than the animation quality which continues to be one of my small gripes with this season one other callback from season one that I think we both wanted to mention is the story by the man who claims he was from a small village in the southeast of Wall Maria. Yeah, I, I think it was very interesting that this this stuck with Bertolt, obviously because he's, they saw a man hang himself, but I think also because the guilt that this man felt for abandoning, abandoning his children in fear um, resonates with Bertolt because he... Of all of the, well, I guess the three of them who came from Marley, I think wears his guilt on his sleeve the most. 
Um, and he probably thought about that in terms of, you know, what he's done to, to parodies up until that point. And he continues to have those dreams as a reminder of like the guilt that he bears with everything that, that he has to do. And I, I say has to do very deliberately, not chooses to do. And I guess you can see Bertolt using that as a reminder of his guilt when in season one, when he introduces himself and Reiner to Aaron and Armin, he actually uses the same story that this villager uses when describing where they've come from. Again, they're under the guise that they have lived inside the walls just as Aaron and Armin have. Um, and I think there's a Reddit post on this where it kind of has a comparison of what Bertolt says to what this villager says in this episode of the story of how the their village basically got eradicated by titans and i think the fact that the man committed suicide allowed Aaron, not Aaron, allowed reiner bertolt and annie to use their story as cover without being exposed by anyone right oh yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that so it's very rewarding that even this late into the story we're getting callbacks and Things are coming full circle with scenes that we've seen in previous episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, again, this is what, um, as I mentioned earlier, makes this show so special. It's just how com- how very intentional everything is. There's a reason that everything, every little thing is happening in this show from the start to, you know, when we finally get to the finish of it all. Um the there's a couple of things I guess I want to call out to that that same theme. Um, other things that kind of came full circle for us because we did watch a couple of uh, throwback videos or callback videos that that made those connections of things that are happening currently and when they were I guess kind of blatantly happening in in the first you know couple of seasons, but we didn't realize it at the time. So the first one I want to talk about is when Annie's female Titan is first kind of revealed and. Um, the scouts are running after her to try and understand, like, who is this Titan? Like, what's going on here? Annie grabs Reiner at one point, and she, like, kind of s- tries to smush him in her hand with her with her thumb. Uh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. But you see her look at him while she's holding him, and she kind of has a smirk on her face. Like, you see her make this little smirk. Like, clearly she knows, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to put on a show. And... Reiner cuts his way out of her hand and then grabs Armin and runs away. But as he's running away, he's steaming. And I think back then I thought he was steaming because he was covered in her blood. But I think it might also be him steaming because when Titan or you know, when one of the nine is recovering, like when their body's recovering, they steam. Do you remember that? Like mm-hmm. they'll it's like a signal that their body is recovering from whatever trauma they just went through, physical trauma. So I'm like, man, was that him steaming because he got hurt by Annie a little bit and then his body was recovering as he was running away? It could also just be that he caught her up and he has her Titan blood on him. I'm not sure. But that was just one of those things. Like when she smirked at him, I was like, holy shit, I didn't even realize it. And then the other ones come from the, I don't know if it's like one episode, but the arc where um, Bertolt and Reiner have captured Aaron and Aaron's like strapped to Bertolt's back the whole time. Um, we get the moment where the scouts are all on top of the armored Titan and Reiner is covering Bertolt and Aaron to protect them from all the scouts. And they start to talk to, to Bertolt through 
kind of, you know, Reiner's arms as they're closed. And I think it was John. He was saying, you know, um, talking about all these these good memories that they had, recalling how Bertolt used to sleep in strange positions, um, and then they would predict the weather based on the, the position he was sleeping in that, that night. And we get that flashback in this episode where he's got his legs up and the scouts are kind of commenting on the way he's sleeping. Um, so that that was another moment too, where it's like, man, they, they brought that full circle. Like they're, they're reminding us that this happened. And if you watch that whole scene as John and I think Connie are trying to reason with Bertolt, you, you get his guilt is like written all over his face and, and Bertolt starts to break down and, and says things like, you know, he didn't want any of this. It wasn't of his own choosing and that people hate them or they hate us without kind of clarifying who, you know, we are. Um, and it just makes you really think like, man, they, they didn't really want to do this. At least Bertolt didn't really want to do this. But again, they have families that they have to go back home to and, and, and Eldians on the mainland that they have to protect. Um, and then he ends it by saying he really did think of them as comrades. And it's just like he spills out all this emotion, everything that he's been bottling up because he's been undercover. And I think that even though Reiner never comes out and says it, these last two episodes are when we finally get the confirmation that, yes, Reiner felt the same way, still feels the same way. He bonded with these these scouts on Paradise, and he feels guilt for what he did to them. Yeah, it's, it just makes you think like it's a damn shame that the Eldians are just being used as pawn in almost like a proxy war. And which is why now, as we mentioned earlier, even though they're trying to make us empathize with the the enemy, quote unquote, it's it's like this great area of like I I don't now I now I don't feel like Reiner is the enemy anymore. I see him as a scout again, as one of you know the main crew again, and that he was just kind of forced to do what he did because he had no choice. He had his mother and his family to protect. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, do I do I dislike him or do I like him? And I'm just you know kind of sad about his situation. I don't know. It's definitely better than what The Last of Us Part Two was trying to do. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, that I still hate Annie. I mean, she's still a bitch. <laughs> she's still in her crystal cocoon or whatever, I'm assuming. Basically. But yeah, so long long kind of stories there, long callbacks. I think that I'll just, you know, kind of hit the nail on the head that, that the show has all these little details that I think are worth rewatching and trying to pick up on and just, you know, blow your mind every time. Yeah, and to kind of gripe on another piece of pop culture, it definitely does a better job of bringing things full circle than Game of Thrones did. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> no, doubt, no doubt about that at all. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Attack on Titan, for giving the fans what they want. Just some open thoughts for me, and maybe you can answer this or someone out there listening can answer this for us. Where was Zeke during the initial infiltration before the fall of Shiganshina District? Because you see, obviously, you see Reiner, um, Bertolt, Annie, and Marcel. But wasn't Zeke supposed to go with them? Yeah, it's a good question. Because in the the courtyard, when they're all kids, he says, like, you know, in in a year or something, we're all going to go to Paradise and infiltrate. And I think they showed the cart titan, like, transporting them to the island. I thought that was a boat <laughs> oh maybe i'm confusing it but I, there was like that one shot of her like kind of coming on the water and i thought that was like no that was during the wasn't that during the dossier sequ- sequence oh yeah okay maybe never mind yeah <laughs> or, but that is, that's another point too where where is zeke and piek 
My thought is they probably didn't want to send every single one of their Titans out. That's really mm. dangerous. That's super risky. And Zeke is the most talented, so they probably wanted to keep Zeke on the mainland. Because if everyone wants to fight Marley and they bring all their Titans to an undercover mission for five years to parodies, that's leaving themselves wide open for an attack. Yeah. And I'm sure we might get another episode similar to this, like a flashback where we see more of Zeke's backstory. Although we kind of saw that in season three, but who knows? We have, what, 13 more episodes left. So anything's up in the air in that sense. And the other thing I wanted to point out as a little bit of trivia, is that young Reiner is voiced by Junya Enoki, who, for you JoJo fans, is Fugo from Part 5. And for you Yashahime fans, is also Sota Higurashi. Wait, like adult Sota? Yes. Oh my god. Well, yeah, obviously, because he's an adult in, in Yashahime. No way, I didn't know he's also Fugo. Mm-hmm. Nice. Sota with the glow up. Um, And then, of course, Aaron, as we all know, is Kuchikun. Ko- koichi <laughs> and <It's>, todoroki yeah <laughs> and then the last part before we wrap up is the preview for the next episode which i think showed us nothing other than armin mentioning that bear or bear told reiner gets a, a surprise and i'm hoping that it's him realizing that aaron is here because that would be a great surprise <laughs> yeah i have a feeling that it's going to be the parodies gang and they come in and they're like surprise motherfucker you know, like that meme. Um, and this would kind of bring that one key visual we saw in the lead up to the final season where it looks like an honorary Marleyan looking up at Aaron in his attack titan form and a bunch of who I think is the scout regiment in their ODM gear looking down at him from the rooftops. Yeah, if you haven't seen that image, visit our Instagram page at the Strictly Series. We did post it up there um, leading up to this Attack on Titan special event for our podcast. It is a really cool image, um, and it's, I don't know, I, I can't quite tell if it's supposed to be Reiner, because they have the red armband, so I think that signals mm-hmm. that they're one of the nine. It could be Reiner. I don't think it's Zeke, because it doesn't look like Zeke's hair, but it also could be Colt, if like Colt inherited the Beast Titan, so... I don't know. Like, I, I'm not sure kind of who that is, but it's a really cool image. And it's very clear that the scouts are, you know, in Marley, which is a big spoiler, but it's okay. They came to fuck around. <laughs> but yeah, it seems like in the preview, they are planning a festival in Liberio. And what other, what better way to introduce chaos than with an attack titan ruining your parade yeah and obviously they mention the tiber family which i think is going to get its formal introduction um so we'll see how that plays out i think we only get a glimpse of the guy he's just like long blonde hair which brings the question like why do so many of these main characters have blonde hair well i think they're european yeah because you have like the Asians, which are the Ackermans, which is weird because their last name is Ackerman. Yeah. But I just noticed that, especially in Marley, everyone has blonde hair. Reiner, Zeke, Colt, Falco, and now I'm assuming the Tibers. I will say that when previews don't show anything really exciting or meaty, um, that's a good sign for an episode. Usually. Usually. Because... The episode's going to be so good, they don't need to entice you to watch it. I don't know. It's like when you watch trailers for movies and they give you like basically the whole movie in the trailer, you know it's going to be a shitty movie. But when it's very like 
secretive. It doesn't give you enough. It just gives you what you need to be enticed. Um, then I feel like that's a signal for a good movie. So in this case, I'm okay with us really not having any concrete information from the preview other than the Tibers and a surprise for Reiner. Um, Cause yeah, I think it's fine. And last episode, they kind of tricked us with the whole Kenny thing is, you know, that usually happens in anime previews. I thought Kenny was going to play a bigger part, but he didn't. Yeah. It was more just a cameo for him. RIP. And that brings us to our final rating for this episode. So how many Annie curb stomps out of 10 would you give this? Oh my gosh. I know I keep rating it so high, but this one's got to be like a 9.5 for me. Like I just really loved this episode. And again, like I felt every little bit of Reiner's pain. And now I'm just like, I don't know where I stand with him. I loved him and then I hated him. And now I could go either way with him. (laughs) What about you? Yeah, it's so hard to rate these episodes because they're they're great, but this one I would give an eight out of ten. At its very essence, it's it's another filler episode, but it provides context again for Reiner Reiner's backstory. But I think the fact that this episode finally establishes the convergence of the Marley and Parody's characters' stories is the most exciting part. So seeing that come into play next week with whatever the surprise is that is awaiting Reiner should definitely be a treat. And this episode kind of makes you want to go back into previous episodes to see if there were any other clues of other parodies soldiers having infiltrated Marley. But I think we'll continue to do a lot of rewatching once we get more of these new episodes. And that wraps up this special episode of Strictly Anime. New podcast episodes release every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central following the new episode of Attack on Titan. And this is in addition to our regular schedule for Strictly Anime. You can follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. Check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com, where you can reach out to us and share your thoughts on Attack on Titan. You'll also find more info on Strictly Jojo, our other podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. Sasageo. Shinzo wa sasageo.